0: Hey everybody out there, this is Falco from Wicked Mariah and you are rocking with Focus on Metal.
1: Hey Metalhead, Scott Thompson here welcoming you to another week of Focus on Metal. Hope you guys enjoyed last week's show. Got another great one for you this week. I will have to say though, right off the bat, once again, it's another week with uh, with no Richie on board. However, as I mentioned last week, Richie is extremely busy. Got some great interviews he's been out doing. Did a great one than Jordan Rudez, and also just recently did another killer interview. At least he says he went killer with the Jarvis from Night Demon. So yeah, Richie spent a late night out in Austin hanging out with the Night Demon guys. Inform me that the show was killer. So uh, looking forward to being able to air that one for everybody very very soon, along with that Jordan Rudez interview as well. Maybe I'll do like a whole episode that just has all Richie interviews. That'd be a different thing, right? I mean, you have all these weeks of just all me interviews. Might be a little good switch for everybody. Anyways, though, lots of good stuff coming up for you this week. We'll have to say that uh, doing a little bit of angry podcasting here this evening.
2: I'm fucking sick of the human race. It's killing me. It's killing me. It's killing me. It's killing me. Oh, everything pisses me off. From the up all heads head to the grateful dead and the rest. Of
1: Not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, because usually, you know, you talk about going food shopping. You shouldn't go food shopping hungry, and you shouldn't do angry podcasting. I don't know why I do this to myself. One of the things that's been very cool about doing this show is we've been able to maintain some incredible relationships with folks from labels, great PR folks, even just great relationships with tons of musicians out there. And every so often, despite your best efforts, you just encounter a dick. And, you know, just before going on and, and firing up the studio and recording stuff for uh, this show, yep, on the email and bam, there's a dick. I mean, I really don't get it. And like I said, usually it doesn't happen. Usually you got really great PR folks that we work with, but occasionally you get one who thinks that they're doing you a favor by letting you promote the shit that they're getting paid to promote. doesn't make any freaking sense, right? I mean, if you're a promotions guy and you have somebody willing to promote what you want to promote then you shouldn't be a dick. You know, Richie and I were trying to get an artist on, artists we've had on before, an artist that, you know, knows us pretty well, an artist that had fun being on the air with us. And we have several options of being able to get a hold of this artist and have him on the show. And, you know, here we are trying to develop a new relationship with a new PR guy, and you think that they'd appreciate that. No, instead, they act like a dick, like they are our only avenue to get shit done. I just don't get it. Or they don't get it. I don't know what it is. Because, I mean, hey, you guys... You know, you listen to the show because you like to listen to what we're playing and you like to listen to the bands we bring you. And I would like to think it's because you figure, oh, we know at least a little bit about what the fuck we're talking about. I mean, this is a way to promote because freaking radio doesn't do it anymore. This is like the way to promote for a lot of the shit that goes on in the metal community is internet radio and podcasting. So if you're going to be a dick to the people that are trying to help you, the people that can just go somewhere else and get the same artist, then why bother? just make you feel good to be a dick
2: i don't like it
1: okay all right with that off my chest what do we have in store for you this week well i'm glad you asked this week has kind of turned into the comeback week i don't know how it worked out but it just worked out that way and i'm like yeah that seems to be the theme i'm gonna go with it so uh yeah this week is the comeback week so first off we have a uh, comeback number one uh, there's a band from the 90s called wicked mariah and then it became Mariah. These guys are back again, have a great new album out on Massacre Records. It's called Lifetime in Hell. I am talking this week with the voice behind Wicked Mariah, the one, the only, Falco. Had a great talk with this dude. Very enjoyable way to spend a Sunday morning, and that is going to lead off this week. And come back number two special guest this week is Lee Aaron. A lot of you folks know Lee Aaron as being known as the Metal Queen back in the 80s. And Lee is back again, kind of gone back to a harder sound, did a lot of jazz, a lot of blues over the years, hasn't really done metal. She'll talk to us tonight about why she just stepped outside of all of that and did her own thing for a long time, and then also why she's decided to come back and do a harder album. And, you know, just got to say right up front no, it's not Metal Queen 2016. It's not even really the metal that she used to do. This is more just that she went back into a more of a rock uh, rock direction and um, hey It's a genuine album. It's where she's at right now. Had a great time talking to her, and I just figured, hey, as longtime metal fans that a lot of us are, sometimes you think back about an artist that you were a fan of, and you think, oh, you know, I wonder what that artist is doing. And then sometimes some stuff like this drops in your lap, and you can find out what that artist is doing. So had a great talk with Lee, and that will be our second interview for the episode. But before we get to all of that good stuff, it's time to do a track of the week. Holy crap, I don't know how I've been missing this one on my desktop all this time, but I have got a killer track of the week for you this week. So if I throw out the name Ronnie Romero, anybody out there recognize who I'm talking about? If you recognize that name as the voice of the newly reformed Rainbow, you would be correct, but also Ronnie Romero leads a very killer band called Lords of Black. And just a while ago, they released their second disc called Very Creatively 2 via Frontiers Records, and it is an all out. Melodic Metal Assault Their debut album was produced By uh, Master Plan's own Roland Grappau And he came back on board again To do this album with them And as I just said The results are awesome Ronnie Romero's voice Has been compared As a cross between Ronnie James Dio And Freddie Mercury And that comparison Didn't come from Some slub like myself That came from The one and only Richie Blackmore himself Not a bad statement To have on your resume especially when that statement is backed up by an invite into, uh, Rainbow. And of course, in true metal fashion, I'm sure that you're sitting back there with your arms folded and saying, yeah, prove it. How good can this guy's voice be? And I'll do just that in just a second, but I will let you know that, uh, the Lords of Black album two is available in a couple of different formats. And if you get the uh, bonus edition of the Lords of Black second album, Uh, There's two extra tracks on there. They do a rainbow cover. They do Lady of the Lake. And then they also do a queen cover, innuendo. So uh, very cool for those guys to decide to throw those on there. So what do you say we roll a little Lords of Black? So from Frontier Records off of Lords of Black 2, great track here. This one is called Only One Life Away. Enjoy the track of the week, my friends. Of the week with Lords of Black off the new one, too. And if you want to get a hold of those guys, you can head up to lordsofblack.com. You can also find them on Facebook. All right, so let's get down to our interviews for the week. And the first guest up in our comeback theme is the guy you heard at the very beginning of the show, Falco, from Wicked Mariah and Wicked Mariah is a band that was b- around back in the 90s. As I said to Falco, a band that actually passed right by my radar back in the day, but uh, I'm glad they didn't escape my radar. This time the guys were around for a long time as Wicked Mariah and Falco goes through the whole history of the band in the interview, but the transition from being Wicked Mariah into Mariah and they put out a couple of albums out as that band got some radio play, a little bit of success there, but ultimately they became victims of, uh, ever-growing shitty music scene and label situation and all that good crap that a lot of us live with back in the day. But the good news is that these guys, they're they are a family, and I mean, literally family. Falco goes into all of that in the interview, and they've, they stuck together. They've always been in contact with each other. They got together. They still had it, and uh, they decided they were going to reach way back and actually put out their demo this year. And weirdly enough, the demo was originally even called Lifetime in Hell. So they got together the whole demo tracks, and then they put together two new tracks as well, just so we can all hear that the Wicked Mariah magic is still there in force. So as I said, I had a great talk with this guy. What a great way to start off a Sunday morning having a phone call with another great East Coast guy talking metal, Great story. Guy was an awesome interview. And I really hope to have him back on the show for you guys very soon. Really enjoy talking to this dude. So what we're going to do is this. As I said, you know, the album they put out this year on Massacre, Lifetime in Hell, has a bunch of original demo tracks that actually never came out on an album. And they don't sound like demo tracks by any means. I mean, these are solid. Any band will be proud to have put these out. And uh, then they also did uh, two brand new songs. And, you know, I always ask the artists about what their favorite tracks are off the album. And Falco was really going back and forth. And he really likes one of my favorite tracks on here, which is one of the new ones. It's called Suicidal Dawn. He couldn't figure out, go old, go new. And he decided ultimately that uh, he was going to go old. So I thought, you know, I got to let you guys hear something new. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to play you a sample of the brand new one off Lifetime in Hell called Suicidal Dawn. We're going to go from that right into my great talk with Falco from Wicked Mariah. the phone today the one and only falco from wicked mariah and this is kind of a really cool story and uh hopefully we'll get into all of the ins and outs of what happened with this band but the most important thing is that they are back and uh, back with a wicked awesome i can't call it a new release it's a, a sort of kind of new release but uh, on the line today representing once again some east coast metal is falco how we doing man
0: doing great scott man yeah we've got the uh, we, we call it the old new record <laughs>
1: yeah it's uh just kind of a really cool story about you know everything you guys went through and and for me i I have to be honest that you guys totally passed by by my radar the first time because that's about the same time period i was having my first kids and you know that happens you you tend to have to at least drop a few marbles off and so between kids and, and and my bands then there were definitely a lot of bands that passed by my radar and unfortunately one of them was both wicked mariah and mariah as well but uh at least here we are, 2016. I'm rediscovering all the cool shit that I missed, and I got to say, "Lifetime in Hell" is definitely 11 tracks of cool shit.
0: Oh, I appreciate it, man. Thank, thank you very much. Yeah, it was uh, it's a long time coming. I mean, you know, it's 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 not very often that a band's new CD is actually their first original CD that was supposed to be released, and never was. So, uh, we figure it's a, it's a pretty cool bridge. You you get to hear what, what our first CD would have sounded like, uh, you know, had it come out in 91 and then we bookended it with the two new songs. So I think we kind of have the whole, uh, the whole circle is complete now. And, uh, now we move forward, but uh, it's a yeah, pretty interesting story, I guess. <laughs> yeah.
1: And you know and you know, as you know, I said, I really, you guys had passed by me. And so the first thing I would do is, you know, I, I get the demo and, um, uh, I'm, I'm listening to it and, and it's just like, wow, this is just really good. And you know, not even realizing, you know, what time period all this stuff was from. And I did kind of pick up the last two songs. Ah, this has got a little bit different, more of a of a a uh, different vibe to it, a little bit more modern feel. And then track three was kind of a, that's odd. It has more of that early nineties sound in, uh, right. but then I, then I go back and, you know, after that, cause I don't want to, you know, I don't want to skew my opinion when I'm listening to tunes. I just want to listen to tunes. I go back and read the story and I'm like, Oh, all right. I, I get it. But it is, uh, yeah, just really amazing. The, you know, what you guys went through, uh, you know, recording all of this as well. And the fact that, is it true that you guys actually, Lost out to Creed in the whole final countdown of who was going to get a deal.
0: Well, that was that was a little later on, but actually, yeah, when we were uh, when we were shopping uh, with, with the counterculture record, actually a little later when we were Mariah, we had uh, interest from um, their label, uh, wind up, and it was uh, you know there was talks back and forth, and then you know. Uh, as uh, you know, fate would have it. They kind of went with Creed, who didn't do didn't do such a bad job for him But it was, uh, <laughs> you know, that's the way that we, that's the way. You know, all the cards fell. But you know, we're here. Uh, we're here now. And we figure, you know, what everything happens for a reason. So you know, we're gonna uh, we're just rolling with it and enjoying uh, enjoying what's happening now with this. Like I said, this old new release. I mean, a, a lot of people, you know, uh, knew us. Uh, you know, as Wicked Mariah from you know, everyone figured Cycles was our first CD, which you know, we, we did really well with back in 94. I mean, you know, Jim Morris had produced it and, and he also, you know, obviously did lifetime in hell and, you know, that we toured with metal church and Yngwie Malmsteen and, you know, did dates with rat and docking and stuff. So it was, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, didn't know that there was anything before 1994, you know, and, and I think it's cool that someone, you know, like you said, like yourself who kind of, you know, didn't, you know, didn't catch us the first time is kind of, picking up on everything now, uh, you know, I think it's a, that's even pretty cool too that you dig it on it and it's, uh, it's great.
1: Yeah. And it is uh, just, like I said, amazing, amazing set of tracks. And it's, it's also interesting because, you know, I, if I would have read this and been like, well, wait a minute, Jim Morris, Morris sound, I would have been thinking, ah, this might not be like my, my cup of tea. And so I'm glad I just left all preconceptions out and, and, and dove into it because definitely, doesn't sound dated at all. And, and I'm glad you guys one got it out and two, that it's out on massacre as well, because I mean, you must remember it was a time when massacre just kind of fell like down and they really didn't have much of a good roster. And the last couple of years, they've been picking up just incredible bands and, and, Every time I get something in the mailbox from Massacre, I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. It's like they are they are back. So I was I was psyched that again, you guys I hate to call it a comeback, but like a comeback album on a comeback label. Just a, a kind of a good sync there.
0: Yeah, no, it, it definitely is a comeback. I mean, you know, I, I've been saying we kind of took a, a coffee break for about 18 years and then we uh, <laughs> you know, since the last thing we did. But yeah, and Massacre, I mean, you know, when, you know, it, like, like you said, it's, it's kind of an interesting story. I mean, you know, we we had this done in 1991 and the small label we were on folded and you know and it was cool you know but you know uh having mara sound i mean originally you know with, with the label we were on uh, uh you know scott burns actually was uh, the one mentioned to do our cd and you know scott i mean unbelievable but was known for you know the death metal and, and as was mara sound for the most part and through a, a nice twist of fate jim got involved and you know i had always loved uh The Sabotage record he did with, you know, sirens on it. And I thought I was like the vocals because as a vocalist, I was kind of like the little delays and echoes. And I just like the vocal stylings of John Oliva. And then when I found out Jim did that and then, you know, we found out, you know, Jim did Crimson Glory, who I am a total Crimson Glory freak. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, and Jim was a lot more about, you know, the melody and, and you know, the the harmonies and the guitar parts and kind of like right in the way that we wrote. So it was it was a really cool mix and a, and a great matchup when we did this record. And then, you know, it just the, the independent label we were on kind of just fell apart. And, you know, we went out to L.A. for about a year and, and shot this demo. But again, you know, back then, really before the advent of the Internet is how it is now. Like we're sitting here able to do this interview, you know, not a lot of people around the world knew there was a lifetime in hell, except for maybe, you know, however many demos we made out in LA and, uh, and handed it out. And then, you know, as time went on, you know, we just started writing what would become the cycles record. So lifetime in hell kind of just was the, you know, I I keep making the joke. It's like the brother on happy days kind of went up (laughs) to the attic and and just never, you know, never came back again. You know, we, we just forgot about it. And then a couple of years ago, you you know, it was a goof. I posted one or two songs on one of our social media pages and it, You know, it got the buzz and people started contacting us. I mean, this is, you know, a couple of years ago, even nothing recent. And, I, you know, we kind of just were like, oh, you know, a couple of people are digging it. That's nice. And, you know, uh, because we hadn't really thought about becoming active again. I mean, we all we've all stayed in touch. I mean, you know, we all grew up together. Everybody in the band, you know, uh, John and Mike are brothers. Uh, We grew up next door to each other, you know, three doors down from each other. And uh, Dan is their cousin. And we've known Knack you know, from playing around the area out on Long Island. So, I mean, we've all stayed in each other's lives, even though we haven't done anything since like 1998, you know, we talk all the time and we can't get rid of each other basically (laughs) because we're family. So, but, you know, it started picking up over the past couple of years and then, you know, we started getting contact from smaller labels and they're like, you know, we want to put this out. And then that's when we all started saying, well, this could be interesting because it's, it's a different day and age now. And, you know, it, even though it's a 1991 CD, you know, it, it could be interesting to, to throw out there. And then when it looked like it started getting serious, uh, you know, we said, okay, if, if we're going to do this, let's record two new songs, kind of just see where we're at, see if we still got the vibe. And we all, you know, we all got together and, and we did the tunes. And then we, uh, you know, with one of our, uh, we have a good friend in Germany, uh, named Ula Garrett and Ula, you know, helped us out with, uh, you know, getting our uh, page set up, and we did like the electronic press kit, and label started label offers started coming in, and then Massacre, you know, who you know is a legendary. The name is there, you know. I mean, you, you know, everyone knows, and heavy metal knows Massacre Records, mm-hmm. and you know they've got, like you said, they've got some killer bands on their roster now. I mean, you know, and and really good stuff, and they came in with a really cool, you know, the proposal, the offer, they they were on the same page as what we wanted to do. So we said. You know, this is this was turning out way more than we ever expected. So, you know, we said, let's let's do it with Massacre. And, you know, they're really, really high on it and they're really behind it. And it's uh like I said, it's turning out to be we're riding this wave. It's a pretty interesting wave because, you know, it's to me, sometimes I sit and listen and I go, well, you know, it's it's from 1991. But we've gotten a lot of feedback. Like you said, some people are like it. You know, it, there are some songs that do hold up and it, it doesn't sound dated in some aspects. And it's, it's pretty surreal. That's, that's kind of the word of the day that we use. It's just like, you know, sitting here and I'm going, man, it's 25 years later and the album's out, but it's, it's cool. You know, it, it's getting a really you know good response, both the old and the new stuff. And it's, uh, you know, we're, we're very appreciative. I mean, like I said, we're just riding the wave. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. And, uh. Man, first, I, I love the analogy of the brother and Happy Days, because you're right. It's like, what the hell happened to Chuck? He was yeah, there for one Chuck season. Went, went, <laughs> Chuck went up to the attic and he's gone. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think you're right, though, about the whole idea of, of, you know, the internet, social media, because you remember back in the day, if if you weren't like flavor of the day or you didn't match flavor of the day, nobody freaking covered you. Just they yeah. didn't, you know, but now you got a, a great thing of being able to get this out. And people, you know, the people listen to our show because they expect a certain kind of 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 metal that we play on our show and mm-hmm. and you got the same type of thing so it's it's not like we're uh uh dictated to by you know trends or anything else like that, so uh, you know I think it's great that we were able to, to cover bands like you guys and just like crank the word out and, and, and let everyone discover all this stuff. And I think you're right. You know, 25 years ago, I mean, it, it definitely, it it was a bitch to, uh, well, for one, it was, it was a bitch to have a, a good label. Cause I can remember the same thing. of like, Oh, we had a label. No, we don't have a label anymore. Oh, okay. Right. Well, we'll get a new <laughs> label. Um, and and just uh even just trying to you know worry about things on and dated cuz i go back and i listen to stuff that i did back in you know 91 92 and i go oh shit i remember when i did this cuz it sounds like 91 92 but th- this is freaking amazing you know just listening to some of these tracks and I would swear to God that you guys just wrote this thing last week but the other irony of it is the fact that you called it lifetime in hell that it's like it's almost like you guys have been in this lifetime of hell and you put this thing out so that's like just kind of an irony in there
0: yeah and, and I think it's weird because that was the original title of it back then too so I said I guess some things don't change its just <laughs> you know 25 years later it's uh you know it's the same thing but exactly what you said I mean you hit it dead on I mean you know you, you're in the scene you bit you, you're in the business I mean you know the trend you know, it, and that's the downfall of a lot of bands, you know, along the way. I mean, at that time you were, you know, well, if we want to do something, you know, we, we maybe we should sound like this or a lot of bands, you know, maybe we have to do this. And, and sometimes bands lose their way. And what was great about this is, you know, like I said, it's 25 years later. And we said, you know what, we don't have to try to fit in to any, you know, to any configuration these days, you know, we said, let's, get together and just write what we feel let's write, you know, especially with the new material, you Mm -hmm. know, you know, that, that especially because, you know, we said, you know, we want to, we don't want to put any preconceived notions on what we're going to put out. You know, a a lot of our fans, you know, uh, you know, know us from the cycles record. I mean, we, we kind of switched the name to Mariah for our next two records, no hope for humanity and counterculture, but that was also a time, like you said, with trends and what stuff was going on at that time, if you wanted to survive, You know, we might have adjusted our sound a little bit, and might have said, "Well, you know, sometimes you're almost, and I'm sure you experience this. You 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 come to a fork in the road, and you're presented with, well, if you really want to make it, even though there's no guarantee, you've got to make a decision as to what direction you want to go in. Mm. Which, in all honesty, sucks if you're a band because you you know you you just should do what you do without having all this stuff going on. Going, all right, well, we're going to do what we do, but if we do this we might fall off into obscurity. And if we do this, some, you know, we may, you know, explode in the States. Although back then, like you said, sometimes it was trendy. You could have exploded for all of eight seconds and you've forgotten again. So now with, with what we did this time, we sat back and said, you know, and and we, we were, you know, I could say we experienced a little of that too, you know, along the way, but this was great. We said at first, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it with all of the original members. I mean, because, You know, with the exception of Mike taking a little hiatus for our counterculture record, it's always been the five of us. So we said, if we're going to do it, all five of us are going to do it. And we're just going to put out exactly what we feel and exactly what we we think Wicked Mariah is supposed to sound like, as opposed to what we think other people think Wicked Mariah should sound like if we want to do something. And I think it was it it reminded me of like, you know, it, it almost took me back to like 91 and then 94, when we did our cycles record, we were just doing what we do. And it was just a fun, it was a fun experience. That was the biggest thing we did this and we just had a blast doing it. Cause we were just doing what we do without having to worry about anything or anyone. We said, let's just do it. And it, and I think it, you know, it, it sounds, especially in the new songs, it's, you know, you could, people are telling us, especially they're like, you know, man, return to form and, you know, they're real happy with it. You know, those of you know our fans who've been with us all this time. So it's a, uh, you know, again, very satisfying, and I just keep saying it. it's just—it's really cool. You can tell that you guys
1: with those new songs just did whatever you felt like because, you know, the two of them sound quite a bit different from each other. I'm—I'm I'm really partial to "Suicidal Dawn." I really like that one. I like the—I mm-hmm. like the groove. It just locks my brain into it, and I almost don't like listening to it because as soon as I do, I know it's stuck in my head the whole rest of the day and I can't <laughs> get it out. But uh, that one there, I'm definitely really partial to. But it sounds a lot different than "Fall from Grace."
0: Yeah, I think we, you know, uh, uh, that idea I I kind of really I pushed for Fall from Grace cuz I I mean, I like we hadn't done something really heavy like that kind of since the Lifetime in Hell record. I mean, there's, you know, Lifetime in Hell was done, you know, recorded in the 1991 time and it was coming out of the late 80s where we definitely had a thrash influence, you know, mm-hmm. songs like Seizure and and especially Blackout. Blackout is just heavy double bass and I said we're going to come back i you know my, my my vote you know we had a bunch of stuff written and i said I, I really pushed i said let's just throw something that people wouldn't expect you know uh you know along with another new song that i think people would vibe on and and, and i agree suicidal dawn it's weird because I, I can separate myself and just listen to that song and say i really like that song i mean it's like even though it's us i i i listen to that song all the time and i'm I'm really proud of it because I think that encompasses a lot of really what "Wicked Mariah" is all about. I mean, it's it's got all the essentials of what we like to do in a song. It's got that groove. It's got you know the moody vocals. Uh, you know the little vocal harmonies thrown in. The guitar harmonies. You know, just a. I think it's a real tight song, and 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 I I dig that as well. I, that, that is definitely my favorite of our songs. And but "Fall from Grace," I figured let's throw a little curveball in. I said because I don't think people would have expected us to come back with something like you know just a double bass freight train something a little different so we wanted to just you know spread it out and throw like uh, a whole bunch of different colors on there for the two new songs and uh you know give a little hint as to you know what a, a full cd may sound like
2: yeah yeah
1: and I, i'm glad you mentioned seizure because of the old material that one is definitely my favorite track of the old stuff i'm going through and it's like yep it's good it's good it's good track three kind of threw me a little bit four i was like all right i'm good in seizure i was like oh yeah and uh, definitely my favorite track of the Why old
2: stuff tell me about
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah, cool. Yeah, we we were, you know, like I said, we were, there was a definite thrash element, you know, I mean, we were, we, you know, at that time, too, you know, everyone had their influences. I mean, I like the Crimson Glory, and we like the Sabotage, and, you know, I, I love Dio, and then, you know, we grew up on the classic Priest, and, you know, and, and, but Maiden, and, you know, a little bit of Kiss, and but you know, then then you know there was a definite overkill and Anthrax and you know Testament and you know we used to cover a lot of Slayer when we you know were you know out on Long Island you know when we started you know coming up and trying to make it you know you throw some covers in your set and you know we would do Slayer so it was like a nice you know mixture and and those songs would always kill live that was a big thing too we liked to write stuff you know, especially coming out of that era that, you know, what's just going to really come across well live and get the crowd into a frenzy. And, you know, those were cool. And, and the cool part of, you know, with seizure too is, uh, you know, uh, Luke uh, LeMay from Gorguts was recording in the studio next to us, you know, when we were at Mara Sound. So he came in and did the nice deep guttural vocals on one of those, uh, bridge chorus parts. And, uh, you know, it was it added a nice little flavor to it. Okay. That, that
1: answers that. Cause I was like, wow, that's, that's different there. I was like, huh i was like shit he's got like a incredible range here but that's yeah like cool. no, I,
0: I, could, <laughs> I couldn't do that but we you know we, we got to you know we were doing this uh we were doing lifetime record you know uh gore guts was down there and uh i believe also uh, cannibal corpse was hanging when they were at Mara sound and but uh, you know uh luke you know we, we got along with all the guys and we were sitting there and we were doing it and i said it's cool i'm like but you know i'm not I'm not getting, I go, I'm not feeling where I should be on that. And I'm like, I don't think I can get as deep as I want to. And then we all looked at each other and went next door and said, Luke, come on in. And he heard the track and he dug it and he's like, yeah, he goes, let me, let me do this. He goes, let me get in there. And I mean, you know, those guys with those vocals, I mean, you sit and, you know, I I never really experienced seeing, you know, that genre of music record and perform, but you know, sometimes you hear that stuff and go, well, he's got processing on his voice or they got something and man, this guy just came in and those guys can go deep.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it is pretty amazing. I've I've done some project stuff over the internet in the last couple of years and, and you just stuff comes back for me to do mixing and stuff on it's like how the hell are they doing that vocal? It's like I can <laughs> never do it. Yeah, it's wild. So you guys must have been an incredible Double bill with Metal Church, just just with even the uh, like the the lyrical sensibilities of both bands. You guys are very close, and in, in a lot of that social consciousness and issues and all that within songs. And I can imagine that just lyric wise, sound wise, everything. You guys must have been an incredible bill with them.
0: It was great. It was. I mean, th- that was the time of our life. I mean, luckily we're still friends with the guys. I, mean, I just saw them a couple of weeks ago when they were down here getting ready for one of the cruises out of uh, Miami. And the tour, you know, I don't think we fully appreciated it at the time it was going on because it was just it was mind blowing because, I mean, Metal Church was one of my top five favorite bands. I mean, we would crank it up, you know, I mean, you know, dating myself, but I mean, going to school, I mean, Metal Church was in the car in the cassette cranking up, you know, the first album, you know, the dar. I mean, just everything. And then when Mike joined the band, I mean, I always thought the human factor was just a ridiculous, ridiculous record. I mean, it was great. And, you know, to find out we were going to be touring with them was unbelievable and the crowds ate it up. I mean, it was, it was great. I mean, you know, when we did the tour, one of the, the shows in Cologne got like, you know, in Cologne, Germany got concert of the month and we learned a lot from those guys, you know, and, you know, their sound engineer at the time, who's now, you know, their production manager ended up being our sound guy for quite a while. And, you know, we still keep in contact. And, you know, that's one of the things we're hoping to do. You know, our our next step is where, you know, uh, we're looking to get a booking agent. You know, uh, the scene is a little different now, whereas back in the day, the labels really handled the touring, um, you know, and hooking you up with all that. I mean, due to, you know, obviously financial constraints and things are different. Labels don't you know, a lot of them don't get involved with the touring. So right now that's our next step, but, you know, we'd love to get together with those guys and, you know, do a run, you know, whether it be here or, you know, go back over to Europe towards the end of the year. Cause they, you know, they've, they've got some dates already set up and, you know, we're hoping we can reteam because, you know, in almost every interview I do it's mentioned, you know, with metal church and especially when I've done a lot of the interviews over in Europe, they're like, you know, please tell me you're coming back with metal church. So, you know, I guess we did make an impression on that tour. So we are, uh, you know, we're hoping we can set that up. But, you know, we were very fortunate. I, I always say we were very fortunate because not many bands can put out a first CD and suddenly go, OK, your record's coming out, you know, on this date. And by the way, the first date, you know, that that album comes out is your first date on tour in Europe and you're doing a month of Metal Church. And I remember I remember we just sat there and we all looked at each other like we're doing what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and I remember the first night sitting on the side of the stage. I mean, and there, you know opening, you know, just starting and then they, they did Metal Church. The song has the encore and that whole guitar solo comes in at the beginning and it, you know, we were all sitting there looking at each other and just like laughing because we're like, I cannot believe we're here. And we sat every night, sit on the side of the stage and watched them and learned, you know, because we were young and we said, you know, we, we gotta watch the Masters. And it was a unbelievable experience with them.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and really too, I mean I listened to the stuff, you know, off of eleven and and it really your stuff just even even now the new stuff it's it's uh it just meshes so well so it, it would definitely be cool to see you guys hook up and and you're right i mean you guys are still i can't believe how massive you guys still are in europe and how much excitement that this album generated i went back and started reading a lot of the european reviews and it was just insane. Just the the amount of just glowing like, holy shit, they're back. And this is amazing. And and I was it one guy started out with something about like being wet already or something like the se- yeah. second sentence in his review.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you, I, I, I was, you know, we were genuinely, again, appreciative and and blown away. I mean, you know, it's been a long time since we've been around and you know, to see the response. I mean, a- every day, you know, I've got the Google alerts. I've got the alerts every time a new article comes out. I mean, the labels on top of it, the labels always sending me stuff and and all of, you know, all of the outlets, whether it be, you know, uh, you know, all the magazines or the online or, you know, everything, what whatever, whatever avenue or, or you know, uh, outlet we're going through, they're sending us the links and they're all saying, you know, here you go. And I, you know, I update the, the website, you know, wickedmariah.com. I update it almost every, every day or every other day with new articles. And we're sitting here reading it going, you know, I mean, you know, you know, you want to think in your head, all right, here we go. We're coming back. And, you know, you know, it's going to be huge, you know, because you want to send the positive vibes out there, but, you know, you got to be realistic and say, well, you know, let's just see what happens. But I got to tell you, I mean, you know, you're right. I mean, you know, reviews after reviews i mean you know i am looking going this is this is really really cool <laughs>
1: yeah yeah definitely I mean, and i think the other thing too is that i you know I've, I've watched over the last probably you know four or five years you know and doing the show that people have like they've gone back and rediscovered the fact that songs have to have great instruments really great vocals they got to have a mid-range they got to have a melody and mm-hmm. you know i think that's another thing that you guys have all of that stuff and it's not you know you're not dropping down to see or you know other crazy stuff it's it's just it's where everything needs to be to, to like just get into your brain and, and again a, like a perfect time for you guys to decide to go ahead and, and put this thing out
0: yeah I, I think so i think we really approach the songs like that you know even 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 like you know a song like "Fall from Grace" where it's kind of heavy and it's kind of you know it, it's just what it is. But then you know we, we twist it up with kind of a real. We try to get the melodic chorus in there, and we, you know, we we, re, we try to, you know, like you said, just try to keep the, the the listener entertained because you know we're we're music fans as well. You know, I mean, not, not everything is you know knock it out of the ballpark, but I mean, I think when we try, you know, when we write a song, we we definitely. It's in our, you know, what we do, and and I guess it's it's you know a lot of it had to do with working with Jim Morris, you know, when we started out. It's like ingrained that you know we're going to write what we want and we're going to feel, but naturally inside, I mean, you know, we, we like to have melody, we like to have uh, you know interesting stuff. So when you you know, when you put it on the speakers, or especially if you put headphones on, you sit and listen and go this is cool. This is moody. It's, it's evoking a mood, you know? And I think that's why Jim liked working with us as well, because, you know, I mean, when we wrote our songs, we were, you know, we, we were there already, you know, we, we, we had so much, you know, with the, you know, we experimented with vocal harmony and, you know, guitar parts and making, you know, the, let this sound ethereal or let this sound, you know, where you're listening to it and we try to make it interesting and yeah, you know, just keep a good groove, let, you know, let the listener listen and, and, you know, I like to write my lyrics where, you know, like you said, I I try to be conscious of what's going on, but also I'll give a little bit of, you know, interpretation where one person could hear one song and interpret it one way, you know, the lyrical content, and then someone else can listen to it and take it in a totally different meaning, but yet it still could kind of be in the same vein. So I think that's pretty cool, too. And, you know, I've gotten a lot or we got a lot of response on that, like, you know, where they say the lyrics and just the music takes us to a place and. As a, as a, you know, uh, someone in a band, I don't think, you know, you don't get much better compliment than that where someone says, you know, the music moved me and took me somewhere. So that's, you know, that's, that's a pretty cool thing to have happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's interesting. You talk about the fact that, you know, your lyrics can be taken multiple ways because I was talking to Mike Howe a few weeks ago and that's one of the exact things he said too about his lyrics is he likes to have them so you can interpret them the way that you want to interpret them. So again, you got the whole metal church connection going there. And I think it's key too, that, um, you know, talking to you now, and kind of putting the pieces together about more sound at, uh, you know, I think back now to, you know, all the stuff that he would have had to have done with, uh, with, with uh, John Oliva and, and the way that John composes songs and all that. So it's almost like a perfect setup for you guys going down there and having a guy that's already, you know, in a small studio, all keyed into that. It's almost like you had a, like a, a Bob Ezrin available to you in a little studio in Florida. So uh, just kind of a very cool way that that happened.
0: Yeah, it is. It, it were very, very fortunate because, you know, like I said, we, we, you know, Jim took, we had all the elements there and, you know, Jim took what we had. And, you know, for me, especially, it was, it was a big help because, you know, as you hear here on Lifetime, there's the vocals, you know, are, are a little more traditional metal where, you know, some, they're a little, they're raw and, you know, they've, they got that edge to them. But then you hear on certain songs like Johnny, which, you know, we, we redid on our cycles record. We updated a little, but you know, there's a different vocal styling, you know, Jim Jim with with me, Jim heard, you know, OK, this is what you're doing. You know, you, you've got the aggressive vocals that, you know, might be on like seizure or like, you know, in Sounds of Evil, the verses are a little raunchy. But then Jim heard certain aspects of my voice and, you know, like, say on a song like River Runs Black, you know, where there's the bridge with a little vocal harmony. But the vocals are a little more airy and breathy. Jim was Jim slowly started hearing, OK, you know, you can do a lot with your voice. And and I, again, I always said too, I was never I never considered myself a singer per se. I was always an entertainer who could sing. I was I was a front man of a band. I didn't really think of myself as a singer. And when we got in the studio with Jim, he would sit and go, Okay, you did that, but let's try this. And he's like, let's let's stretch the range out a little. And I would go, Wow, I could do that. And it was it was pretty interesting. And, you know, and then it, you know, blew my head because, you know, once the rest of the band heard, well, he could do this, you know, then it was like, you know, John or Dan or Mike would suddenly go. Well, if I'm writing something now, well, wait a minute. We had no idea there was this whole side to Falco's voice. So now all of a sudden it was like, oops, expand. And, you know, so Jim just like opened all these doors for us. And, and you know, we learned a lot. I mean, you know, with, with these two songs, you know, um, you know, John produced them and, and Dan engineered them and mixed them. And, you know, a lot of that was learned from Jim. I mean, you know, we, you know, we kind of stuck with the formula. And like you said, Jim did iced earth and crimson glory and sabotage. So we did, we had like someone who was like, we always said he was like the sixth member of the band because he had the same mindset as to how songs should be. And we got together and now, you know, he took his experience working with these other bands and said, well, that was cool. And now let's, let's just, let me, let me lay this out. And what do you guys think on this? And it was like, you know, head explosion because it was like, oh wow, we could do this. Right. So yeah, it was, it was, it was like, you know, having the little, you know, we had the little guru there with us and it was nice. Awesome. So, you know, always want
1: to support the East Coast Metal, of course, being another older metal guy from outside of Boston. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, obviously you mentioned WickedMariah.com is is one spot where they can go up and find out all about the band and what you guys are doing and news and all of that. What about anything else, Twitter, Facebook, any, any other uh, sites they can hit you up on?
0: Yeah, we're on Facebook. Um, I mean, you know, I usually give the WickedMariah.com site out because basically at the bottom, I've got all the links to all the different pages because I know it's so hard for everyone to remember, you know. But, I mean, it's Facebook.com WickedMariah, and I think Instagram and uh, Twitter are Wicked underscore Mariah. But, you know, just hit the main page. It's got all the links on it. It's got the YouTube page. It's got links to Massacre Records page because, again, you know, we we can't thank them enough. Uh, And also just, you know, can't thank you enough for having me on. I mean, you know, all the outlets – radio podcasts magazines you know online magazines it's just it's been a trip and and, and it's you know I, i'm just enjoying doing this again because you know it's it's been a long time since we were able to do this and talk about the band and you know the, the genuine excitement and people are digging on it it's uh it's very gratifying and you know again we're very appreciative of it awesome
1: awesome and of course now everyone's listening to this interview and they're going like all right dude are you going to play us a song damn it we have to hear something from wicked mariah so from you, you know, what song would you like me to to spin to to ride this one out?
0: Uh, let's see. Do we go old or new, old or new? Um, well, I mean, I I, I'm partial to suicidal dawn. I know you like that one. So, I mean, if I, I'll I'll throw the, I'll throw this out there. My favorite song, I think my favorite song of lifetime in hell is the title track lifetime in hell. So if, you know, if you're going to go old, I'd say lifetime in hell, if you're going to go new, we could write it out, you know, with suicidal dawn this way everyone could kind of hear uh wicked Mariah 2016, but you know, the CDs out there, the U S release, uh, is May 6th, you know, but I mean, you know, all the places you can get it are on the website. So hopefully everyone out there digs it. They get excited by this interview. I mean, obviously everyone, you know, uh, values what you say. You're digging on it. It excites me that you like it. So everyone just go check it out and uh, hit the web page and let us know what you think. You know, we uh, we love to hear from everybody.
1: Awesome. Awesome, man. Falco, I really appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your Sunday morning here. I know it's actually a nice sunny day here on the East Coast, finally, and uh, hopefully no more snow but I, uh, I definitely do appreciate the hell out of you, you know, taking some time. And obviously you're welcome to come on anytime you got new stuff. You want to let people know what you guys are doing. Just let me know. And I will have you back on anytime you want,
0: man. And then I hope I'll be talking to you the next couple of weeks. We'll, uh, announce, you know, a booking agent, we'll announce some shows and, uh, you know, we'll get out there and see everyone, man, Scott, I, I can't thank you enough. Just greatly appreciated.
1: No problem, man. You know, have a great uh, rest of the day. And, uh, Hopefully uh, more good Wicked Mariah music coming our way.
0: Yes, indeed. Thank you so much.
1: All right, Falco. Have a good one, man. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Hopefully whetted your appetite for some more Wicked Mariah. As I said, from Massacre, great release. Took 25 years to get it into our metal earholes, but there it is. Lifetime in hell. As Falco said, if you want to get a hold of these guys on the net, go to Facebook.com slash Wicked Mariah. Also on Twitter, it's Wicked underscore mariah and of course you can go right to wickedmariah.com go right to the bottom and all those links are there youtube instagram facebook all that good stuff so i urge you to go out there pick up lifetime and hell you are gonna love this album also get a hold of these guys let them know you heard about them right here on focus on metal i know what you're saying Where's the last track? Falco wanted to go old, wanted to go Lifetime in Hell. Here you go, off of Lifetime in Hell. Here is a title track just for you, Falco Lifetime in Hell. Honestly, go out and pick that one up from Wicked Mariah. Again, it's called Lifetime in Hell on a Massacre Records. But now let's move on to our second guest of the show.
3: Hi, this is Lee Aaron and you are rocking with Focus on Metal.
1: Just when you thought that Lee Aaron wouldn't ever make a harder album, she's back with a new release called Fire and Gasoline. Now, I will admit it is not back to, you know, like I said, Metal Queen 2016 or anything like that. It isn't even a metal album, but the cool thing for the metal community is to come back and and see what people are doing and again it is a harder rock album not like hard rock but it is more of a rock album than she's done in a long time so why not let everybody know what's going on in the world of Lee Aaron and honestly she's actually a pretty cool person to talk with I think the last person I talked any Beatles with was actually uh, John Oliva so I guess you could file this one under another example of a couple of older metalheads getting together and talking about the old days and I don't know whatever else it is that we do when we get together but I had a great time talking with her wish i could have had a longer time to talk but she had another interview scheduled right behind us but again lee thanks for taking the time to talk to focus on metal so to get us rolling into this one i'm going to play you a little bit of the title track of lee's new album fire and gasoline and from there we're going to slide right into my talk with lee aaron
2: You're gonna rust in the dust with a little boy lost destructible. And you don't know, oh, should you stay or go And oh, let me assist you, slow French kiss you while I step on you with my stiletto Yeah, like fire and gasoline I'm making me scream, you're so respectable Undetectable. i covert covered in the dirt with every short skirt that's collectible. Like a professional I say, why do I do the things I don't wanna do? In confessional? I'm so sad, baby, baby, my bad. Yeah, like fire and gasoline, I'm making you. all
1: right guys i have uh, i've got a pretty amazing guest for us uh this week the uh, the one and only lee aaron how are we doing tonight lee i'm
3: doing great thanks for asking scott
1: it was really amazing that uh that after all these years of you doing a lot of uh a lot of jazz work and, and theater stuff and all of that that you decided uh, to toss your hat into uh, the more rock oriented ring again. And of course I'm sure everybody you talk to asks you the same question. Why that decision to uh to go with our, our harder album again?
3: <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I never said I was quitting rock and roll altogether. Um I always knew that I would make another rock record. You know, I just, I just didn't know when. I've gone through some interesting, um, transitions and, um, incarnations in my, my life and career mm. over the last little while. And, uh, you know, so there were some reasons why I had taken a bit of a departure from rock. You know, the first reason being that, you know, in the, um, mid 90s, uh, with the advent of grunge music, um, anybody who was anybody who was attached to corporate rock, sort of, it was like we all fell off a cliff and were you're swimming in obscurity for a while. Because with the advent of grunge, um, you know, purely by, um, it was a perception thing. You know, our association with that, mm. with that era of of rock music. Um, it was you couldn't get arrested, right? You could like the media wasn't interested in you, and so I think that was a really dark period, a tough period for a lot of um, more of the classic rock acts out there. It sure was. You know? Yeah. Um, with that said, um, I have to say I actually really loved the grunge movement, and I loved that music, and um, it, I, you know, I fully embraced it. I, I, I loved, you know, Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and Green Day and all the rest, but, um, and you know, because there's this thing that happens in the music industry when, um, some genre of music becomes extremely popular, like, like, you know, for lack, I don't like to call it corporate rock, but that's kind of what it became. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah, the you're late right. 80s, it did, right? yeah. early 90s. Yeah. And so, you know, there was a lot of really great artists that were still out there that had been originals that had started doing it. Um, and then there was a whole bunch of other schlock that got signed by the record labels because that's what happens. They, it became an industry where mm-hmm. it was like, well, this is popular. Let's sign up every Tom, Dick, and Harry that sounds like Winger or mm-hmm. like this or like Twisted Sister. And so then all of a sudden you have a, you know, a small sector of music that's really good and then just a whole bunch of crap. And so the grunge really did have to happen because the music industry needed to shake up at that time. Mm. Unfortunately, it left left a lot of us kind of well hung out to dry, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, I took a year off. Um, I actually had to go bankrupt, and this is the truth in '96 because um, I had gone. In, I got off my label and went independent in 1992. I was one of actually the first artists I think in Canada that actually took that leap,
2: um,
3: because I saw the direction that the industry was going in, and I formed my own label. But unfortunately, it was just like a sinking endeavor because, um, like I said, virtue of the fact that my name was just attached with that genre of music, yeah. it was I couldn't get radio play. So um, I had to go bankrupt in '96 because my lawyer and manager and myself had borrowed over a half a million dollars to start this new label, and it just all went belly up. And So that was kind of a a very um, interesting year off for me, um, trying to gather myself together and decide, you know, do I even want to sing anymore? Mm. And when I did decide that I was going to step on a stage again and do something, I just had no interest in being part of pop culture. I just felt really... um, Almost wounded by it, if yeah. that makes sense. Oh yeah. So, I, a lot of people think that jazz and blues was a big diversion from rock, but the reality is, it's the roots of rock and roll. And so, I kind of went exploring the history of rock, is what I did. You mm-hmm. know, I started digging deep and going back into, um, you know, what 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 yeah. helped Zeppelin evolve and develop their sound. Well, it was guys like Willie Dixon and Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf and. Um, even guys like, you know, um, uh, uh, gosh, I'm sorry. And now I'm getting a call, <laughs> but you can hopefully edit that out. <laughs> My call waiting is going, what the heck? Um, um, like Jimi Hendrix. Hmm. All of his stuff was like heavily blues influenced. and I, So I was really curious, you know, where did this music all come from in the first place? So I kind of went on this exploration. And, um, really enjoyed myself doing it. And the next thing you knew, I started, you know, doing a little circuit of jazz and blues clubs around Vancouver and papers were out coming out in droves to, you know, review it. And then the next thing, you know, I was, they're like, you have to make a record. And I made a, this record in 2000 and then I was on all these jazz festivals across the country and it was sort of just sort of snowballed into something that I didn't think would happen, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, And then I made another recording in 2004, which was a blues jazz and blues blues sort of pop infused kind of album. And then my daughter was born in 2004. I got married and I had my children. So um, the last decade of my life has been somewhat of a recording hiatus because I've been raising my kids, right?
1: Yeah, kids will do that.
3: (laughs) And so, yeah, and then, you know, when I, they're 10 and 11 now and, they have a burgeoning interest in music, and, uh, you know, they're of course, they're into, you know, Katy Perry and Bruno Mars and Adele and all this popular stuff, which is, and a lot of it's great, but I remember, you know, saying to them, you know, but but here, you've got to listen to this old Fleetwood Mac record and this, you know, heart Dreambo Nanny and, <laughs> um, you know, You know, the Led Zeppelin Physical Graffiti, you've got to hear this, you know, and pulling out all these albums that influenced me as a teen Mm. and um, trying to get them into that. And it was very inspiring for me. I thought, oh, gosh, this is why I love music. I want to make a record that embraces all of these influences that I've had.
1: Hmm. That's a good place definitely to come at. And yeah, I you know it's interesting, too, now, because I've, I've got a bunch of daughters and that was one of the things, too, is, you know, when they would kind of get into music that, you know, you mentioned a lot of those artists and, you know, a lot of what gets played in popular music. Now, there's not a lot of guitar based drums orientation. It's like, how do you get your kids into that when they don't really hear it? And I did the same thing, exposing my kids to, you know, Zeppelin and taking them to see Deep Purple and stuff like that and and and, you know, watching them connect to all that kind of music that i loved as well and it and it does kind of like you said it gives you a rebirth inside of like oh yeah that's that's why i was playing guitar and bass and singing all those years is the same reason so it's it's nice to hear you say the same thing
3: oh absolutely and and also you know Music is so processed, right? I mean, you don't need to even play an instrument anymore. With digital technology, you just don't know how to to program a loop. You can make music, right? I mean, this is the, the new reality. You don't have to sing in tune because pitch correction will fix all that for you. And... Those those are the things about modern music that really piss me off, kind of, you know. And mm-hmm. I want my kids to know that, you know, no, this is Mom just made a record with real people playing in real time live off the floor in a real studio, in a in a room, you know? Um, that this is what real music is about. I know that... um and my husband and I have been trying to influence our kids in a positive way. We took them to U2, the the opening tour of the North American tour mm-hmm. in Vancouver. And uh, I have McCartney tickets for, for Wednesday night, and I'm <laughs> taking them on Wednesday. And, you know, you know, even the, like the Beatles and McCartney, that's like a couple generations ahead of me. I didn't even appreciate the Beatles when I was growing up, because I thought it was old fart music. I thought it was my parents' music, right? Yeah, yeah. But as I've grown and become, obviously more of a music connoisseur as I've gotten older, you, I've gone back and gone, wow. Like, there's nobody like the Beatles. Nobody writes songs like these guys wrote. You know, and... So, you know, I'm, my kids, they kind of frowned at me when I said, we're going to see Paul McCartney. I'm like, are kidding me? You know, when you're at 30, you're going to say, Mom, I'm so happy you took me to see a, a real live living Beatle, you know?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Definitely. Yes. That'd be an <laughs> so, awesome show to go Anyway,
3: see. I guess we're not really talking about metal, uh, we're talking about <laughs> music history here. Uh, we talk uh,
1: about everything. So it's, uh, even though we call it Focus on Metal, it's we, we delve off into things and, you know, I've been... I've been doing this for a long time, too, myself. So I've got a, the same kind of influence as you do as well. So, uh, you know, it all, like you said, it all comes from somewhere. So it's always good to, to delve into these things. So, you know, you did talk about, and, and I'm glad you mentioned it, the fact that, you know, you were doing this album with a band and doing it live on the floor. And, and uh, you know, I saw the, the nice making of video, and I was happy to see my uh, my buddy Brian Sword's name on the credit. That was really, really cool. But uh, that was something I really liked, was like, wow, that was great that the band was playing all together on the floor looking at each other and and getting that vibe and stuff and you can hear that in the tracks as well it just has that very live vibey feel and and you can see just the whole interaction just looked like so like you guys were having a really lot of fun doing it.
3: it you know what it was it was a great, it was an absolute blast. I mean part of that too for me is the fact that you know, I've played with a lot of different players over the years. And I've been very blessed. I've been I played with some of the best musicians in Canada. But now, at this stage of my my life and my career, you know, I, I, just just, I have no patience for anybody who's got an attitude or is a prima donna. So not only are the guys in my band fabulous musicians, they're also, like, super cool, really nice guys. And they're like my brothers. And so... Being able to make music in that type of a situation is just the greatest joy for me, you know? Uh, so I just feel so blessed that I'm that I'm able to work in that kind of a situation and work with people that not only do I love their playing, but I just love them as people, too. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and, you know, and watching that, too, it just one thing that came to me, you know, if I could sum it up in one word, is trust. It seemed like there was a lot of trust you had in your band and, and uh, just, it just seemed to come across watching that.
3: Well, I do. I mean, I've played with these guys for quite a few years now except for Sean. Sean has been the newest addition. Um, Sean Kelly uh, played with Nelly Furtado, as you know, and had his own band, Crash Kelly. And uh, he's also the author of a Canadian music history book called Metal on Ice, hmm. which is pretty cool because it fills in a sort of a gap in canadian music history all those great rock bands from the 80s that have kind of been omitted from a lot of the canadian history books he just wrote this book and filled in that gap and it was it was amazing that's how we met he and i um but there was just an instant chemistry and when john uh, sean came and sat in with my band and we played together for the first time it was like a just a, a musical sensibility, like a groove that locked, where we went, okay, wow, this is really happening. You have to join the band, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, but the other two guys, Dave Reimer and John, John is my husband, right? So obviously there's an inherent trust there. Yeah. Um, and so a song like, say, Popular, which started out as a demo idea, it was just some music, some chords and stuff with a drumbeat program that Sean had sent me. Then I wrote the vocals and the top line, and we worked on the arrangement together. Then we brought it into pre-production, and this evolution to that song sort of happened through the rehearsal process where the, the rhythm section, they started, the boys started playing wilder and wilder, and I was like, you know, that's actually really cool. I like the kind of who vibe we've got going on here because obviously, who's one of my influences as well. Mm. And I let them run with it. And that, that requires some trust, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. I let them run with it until it was in the type of shape that I was like, okay, we haven't lost the backbone of the chorus, so that's important. But all this other stuff you're doing is bringing a whole new energy to the song, and I love it, so let's go with this. Let's make this the final arrangement. And, um, and then anyway, that's how it ended up being recording, recorded is sort of with this um you know, don't get fooled again vibe sure. to it. You
2: know?
1: Yeah.
3: And that definitely requires trust in your players.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. And uh you know one thing, you know, I the fact that you didn't just totally stop doing any kind of sing or anything, that you were able to to continue on, you know, doing stuff in in blues and jazz and and I think it probably to me anyways, to my ears lended kind of a new depth to your voice overall and i think it carried over into this album as well that uh just it just sounds like a very self-assured vocal style and that those guys being able to do something like what you just described that the way that you're singing just it seems like no, no matter what they did you are going to be able to put your voice on top of it and keep within that melody and uh it just you don't hear that all the time but i definitely hear it on this album
3: i see what you're saying um yeah, um, well, I can tell you this, that playing jazz and blues for that duration of time, um, and you know, w- during that duration, I mean, I wrote a few originals, but largely jazz is about interpretation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're doing all these, I mean, what greater learning curve could you possibly get than lear- singing from the Great American Songbook, right? Yep. And... Because these songs were just amazing. These these tunes written by, you know, Rogers and Hart and um, all these great writers, The you know, the Tin Pan Alley writers. I feel that um, it made me a far better singer. And the other thing about jazz, too, and blues is that it doesn't get played the same way any given night. The no. solos are different. Sometimes yeah. the parts. Sometimes the solos extend. Sometimes I'll be on a roll and I'll decide, "Hey, I'm going to scat over the next verse form." And so it's a, it's a, almost a little bit of an intellectual kind of me, musical connection you're making, in that you all have to. It's a heads up gig. You have to be thinking on your feet, and you have to be watching the next guy to see what he's because you're reading each other's language. Yeah, you're, it's like a, it's like a musical conversation, right? Yeah. And so where rock music, I felt to some degree years ago that I was kind of in a rut of like, okay, people want to hear what you do my body, played the exact same way any given night. And while that's fine, kind of, sometimes it's kind of fun to shake it up, you know? Yeah. And um, I, I feel definitely that exploring that genre gave me far more confidence as a singer.
1: Yeah, yeah you know yeah it definitely does i can you know one thing i remember i play with the same drummer for a long time back in the 80s and people that would play with us would always be like and at that time i was playing bass and they would always be like how is it that you guys know what each other's going to do when you're not even looking at each other and part of it was that we'd actually played in in uh in different jazz bands together as well and we just learned to comp off each other and it just we just brought it to the rock band and it's it's that same thing. It's like once you get that that kind of that mind meld vibe going from playing jazz, it just you can carry that over into into anything, and it just adds this whole new layer to everything you do.
3: I agree. Yeah, and, and you know the beautiful thing too is is my my husband comes from a really um, colored background in terms of musical influences. Mm-hmm. He's played everything from hard rock to folk to to jazz to big band. To punk, actually, he has a he has an ensemble that he plays with regularly called uh, Phil X Band. Not Phil X. I'm sorry. Um, Phil Smith Band, and it's the guitar player from. Um, um, oh, sorry, I'm having a brain blank here. Um, yeah, it's Monday. Legendary Vancouver. Yeah, it's legendary <laughs> Vancouver punk band. What do they call the Pointed Sticks? Yeah, Bill Hemi from the Pointed Sticks. You know, it's. Um, so he's. You know, he's got all kinds of chops that he brings into the thing as well. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it's interesting that you're able to talk to me coming from that place as well, because um, I I talk to a lot of journalists on metal shows, and they're like, "Lee, this album's not metal." <laughs> 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 like, "Well, yeah, but it is a rock record. It's a it's a straight up fun rock record." You know?
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's what I you know, I I, I put it on, and and I definitely, I actually would have been if, if I would have heard you know back to eighty four and Metal Queen again, I would have been like, Oh, this is kinda disingenuous but I put this on and went, Oh, this is kinda cool. It just seemed to fit like, yeah, I can I can totally see this and and uh and I'm glad you didn't go back and remake all those older records. It's like that that's that's wrong. But this is perfectly right.
3: Well thank you. <laughs> thank you. You know, um you know we've all grown up and we all you know have found I mean I'd be crazy to think that my my core fan base are teenagers, right? Like right. So, you know, we're all older. We're all more mature. We all, a lot of us have families now. So I had to do something that was a, a real authentic reflection of where I'm at. You know, obviously for me to go out there and do Metal Queen 2016 would have been, <laughs> you know, I'm sure it would have made a few of my European fans happy. <laughs> but, you know, at, at the same time, I think I would have risked being dismissed as a joke.
2: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what
3: I mean? Yeah. Because there's, you know, there's already a Doro, you know, there's already a Lita Ford, and I think these ladies are probably doing it better than me. <laughs> and why would I, why do I, I don't need, I'd rather be an original rather than trying to compete with that, right? Sure, sure. And I and don't and, mean any, and no disrespect to them at all.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and obviously, I mean, you're the artist who's going to have to go out and play this stuff live, and if you're... Out there, and you're just not feeling it. You, you know, it's it's gonna carry through. But obviously, you know, these songs here, you can you kind of stand behind, and you're gonna put a much better performance. And people, I think, once they hear it live too, are gonna be like, "Oh yeah, we get it."
3: Well, that's the plan. We've we've been playing a variety of these live already. We've been playing "Fire and Gasoline," "Bad mm-hmm. Boyfriend," um, uh, "Wannabe," and a couple others, and they go over great. Yeah, they go over great live, and yeah,
1: yeah, I would imagine. So there you go. I would think Tomboy must go over well live, too. It's got, it's got a little bit of that punky kind of New York vibe to it.
3: Well, thank you. Um, we actually haven't played Tomboy live, but that's on the agenda. Wow. We've got some summer shows coming up, and uh, that's the next thing on our agenda is integrating that into the live set.
1: surprised you haven't been playing that one live because like i said that one there i i hear that and like it just it just has that that kind of cbgb's kind of vibe to it and and that kind of thing is made as a like a high energy live song that you guys could have a lot of fun with
3: well the reason i'll tell you the reason we hadn't played it live yet is because when the album dropped and the video came out What I didn't want, because I'd been doing shows leading up to the album release, Mm -hmm. now I have a little bit of a hiatus, and then I'm heading out soon to start um, doing some summer. I'm going to be doing some summer shows up here in Canada. And um, what I didn't want is I didn't want a crappy iPhone video of Tomboy Live up on YouTube before Mm -hmm. the actual video dropped.
2: Yeah, absolutely don't blame you.
3: And so... And that's what you're up against these days is anybody and everybody can fill you, film you with their phone, right? Yeah. So my, it's funny because if the guys in the band were like, we got to start playing Tomb I'm like, no way. There's no way I'm going to put that out there and risk it leaking onto YouTube as a subversion with bad audio before the actual song comes out and the video drops. Yeah. So that that that's my rationale. No, that's just so that's you a, understand.
1: That's absolutely I a hundred percent agree with that. I know that that uh, you know, me and my co hosts we've been to shows and like, wow, this is an awesome show. And then you, you people put a video of that same show up on YouTube and you you watch it and you're like, Is this even the same show? This is horrible. But it just I I totally understand why you'd not want wouldn't want to do that. So yeah, I get it.
3: Well I had a show um last year, last summer that um I had no idea that it was a multi-camera shoot. They were filming it live. No one told me um, because it was, it was the promoter that actually paid for the production because he wanted to use it as a promotion for his next year's festival. And I had what we ended up with just some circumstances where my, my keyboard player had to, to, was not able to join us for that show. And we weren't able to replace him in time. And I said, okay, that's Fine. That's okay. You know what? I'll play a little bit more guitar and we'll go do it as a four piece because we can. But the live recording, the audio, there's no there's no bass in the mix. So you kinda have these guitars sitting on top and like you're not hearing a lot of bottom end. The 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 film itself is pristine, but the sound is terrible. And I'm going and it's out there. A whole concert like that, and I'm like going, man. It's 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 tough, you know, because you can't control a lot of these things in the digital age, right? Right. Yep. So, Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Anyway,
3: here I am griping. <laughs> that's not what I meant to do.
1: That's all right. It's good to get it off your chest. <laughs> that's that's what we're here for. It's kind of like a little bit of interview, a little bit of therapy. It's all good.
3: Okay. <laughs> it's good. Well, I don't like. Unfortunately, I got about a few more minutes here because I'm actually supposed to call somebody else at five thirty. But yep. um Yeah. No, but, I, but to, what else should we talk about? <laughs>
1: <laughs> we could talk about a million things, but. Uh, now that you've kind of had the album out there for a little bit, you've had some time to live with it. And I know this is always the toughest question for people that are closest to the, to the material, but right now, what's your favorite track off of the album?
3: I hate this. I hate this question. See, everyone hates <laughs> this I question.
1: Dr- drummers love this question. Um, they know the answer right off the bat, but because they're not usually they as do? deeply invested. Yeah, usually they've they've got it picked out. But usually, if it's a if it's the guitarist or the or the vocalist, and they're the ones that have done you know lyrics in, in most of the music, they're very very close to it, and they're they're all their babies, and it's always the toughest one.
3: You know, I can't say that I really have a favorite, but I can say that I the song "Heart Fix." Um, I'm really pleased with my vocal performance in that mm. song, if that makes sense. Sure. We, I did a bunch of just sort of outro scatting, and um, my, my philosophy with recording vocals is I go in, you know, I'll record it. I worked with um, a vocal engineer named John Redster on recording my vocals. I go in, I'll lay down four or five tracks from front to back all the way finished, and then I walk away and I'm like, okay, you know what, you put a comp together. Put together, you know, pull the best lines, the things you sang, the things I think I sang the best, Mm -hmm. and put it together. Um, I'm not like a punching-in-every-line type of girl. I I think that that destroys the flow of a song, and you don't get the most authentic performance. So I sort of walked away, and I sang a bunch of scats at the end of the song, uh, you know, and a bunch of ad-libs on the outro choruses. And when I came back, and John edited it all together, and I'm like, man... I sing good (laughs) you know. I was was particularly, I was like, okay, what I just, what I love is it's got an energy that builds and builds and builds. So I like that song for that particular reason, but, um, yeah. So, yeah, I guess I'll say hard Fix for now. There you go.
1: That's a valid answer. So before I let you go, just because, you know, everybody's on social media, and this is how we all communicate with each other nowadays for some reason, where's the best places online for people to find out about, you know, your tour schedules or to... To uh, communicate with you or, or all that good stuff.
3: Well, there is leearen is my actual website. Although I'm finding that most of the um, interaction that I get is not through the website anymore. Mm. That's just not the way it works. There's Lee Aaron Music on Twitter. So if you go to Lee Aaron Music, I'm on I'm on Twitter. You can join me there, and um, I post some things about music. But I post lots of crazy, stupid things about my life and my family on there too, and. Uh, there's Lee Aaron fan page on Facebook. If awesome. you want to join me on Facebook as well. There we go. And then there's a, there's just another Lee Aaron. There's actually a few Lee Aaron Facebooks and some of which I don't control. Mm-hmm. And I've been, I've been unsuccessful in shutting them down. So make sure you join the Lee Aaron fan page. Cause I think that's the only authentic one.
1: There we go. Awesome. And of yeah. course I probably in just a few minutes from now, you'll get a t- follower on Twitter from me. So, there we go.
3: Awesome.
1: Cool. All right, Lee, well, it's, it's been great to talk to you. Uh, I was looking forward to this all day, so uh, good deal. Cool.
3: Well, I'm glad we had lots to talk about.
1: We did. I'm sure if we had longer, <laughs> we'd be talking about all kinds of other stuff, too. But uh, I know you are, you are in demand, and the uh, album is doing uh, you know, very well as far as uh, you know, getting to people. So uh, I'm, I'm glad to see that, and uh, hopefully there'll uh, be more, some more stuff out from you, and uh, we'll have you back on again.
3: That's awesome. Thank you
1: so much. All right, Lee. Have a good night. You
3: too.
1: Bye-bye. Once again, big thanks to Lee Aaron for taking a little bit of time out to talk to us here on Focus on Metal. Now I'm kind of thinking maybe we should get Sean Kelly on to talk about the uh, book on Canadian Metal. I think I'll file that one away for uh, maybe a future episode. Anyways, just a reminder, if you want to get a hold of Lee, you can catch her at LeeAaron.com. Also on Twitter, LeeAaronMusic, and of course on the lee aaron fan page on facebook don't be fooled by any imitations with all that said and done we are done yep that is another week here of focus on metal hope you enjoyed the show this week we'll be back once again next week with more great hard rock and metal as usual i am not sure what is on the agenda for next week obviously richie has some interviews he's done Those could be an option. There's some other interviews that are falling into place for the next week or so as well. So I don't know. I've got other audio. I'm just trying to juggle all this and get this all out in time. And, you know, the old prioritization thing, new releases and then other interviews. And, of course, we've still got Little Mountain Sound stuff to play as well. I can't believe we're still doing that as well. We still have another, what, five or seven episodes of that to get out. So lots of stuff. I guess I'll just go back to say I still don't know what the hell we're doing next week. But whatever it is, you're going to enjoy it. In the meantime, you can always find out uh, what's going on at focusonmetal.net. Go up there, check out a lot of our old episodes up there. Most of them have streaming or download links. If you see an episode that you like the description of it and you'd like to hear it, but there's no link for it, shoot me an email at scott at focusonmetal.net and I'll do my best to get that link put up there and shoot you back an email and say, hey, It's all good to go. And, of course, we do have a ton of episodes available on iTunes as well. But there are more episodes available at FocusOnMetal.net than there are on iTunes because, honestly, it takes a lot of effort for me to hand code that whole RSS feed. And and I get lazy, and I just don't want to go back that far and code them all in. Also, you can check out all the show notes and news at FocusOnMetal.blogspot.com. Yeah, that's right. We actually put show notes up every week. ...up at FocusOnMetal.blogspot.com. And no, they're not huge comprehensive show notes. Some shows do awesome show notes. We're not one of those shows. But anyways, that stuff is there. Sometimes you might even find a video from a featured band up there as well. But again, that's at FocusOnMetal.blogspot.com. And if you want to hit up Richie, ask him questions, talk to him, whatever... He's always on Facebook, always posting things up there as well. Usually get some pretty good responses. And, of course, my metal butt is always parked on Twitter. So that's it. We are done for this week. So for Richie, myself, and everybody else here at Focus on Metal, have yourselves a great metal week. And until we talk to you again next week,
2: remember... Focus on metal! Everything else is insignificant. Uh... It's over. Go home.